Do you have a passion or dream to start a business, but don't know how? Training solutions can teach you the foundations you need to make the dream work. Whether you are starting, maintaining, or growing a business, Training Solutions provides you with the tools every organization needs. No matter what stage your business is in, everyone can use advice from an expert who knows business and can help guide you through the landmines. Training Solutions will help you hone the skills you have, identify the skills you need to grow, put ideas into perspective, and most importantly, help you uncover personal barriers that may be restricting growth. For just $100, Training Solutions offers a one and a half hour consultation that will give you a plan of action you can use immediately. Visit trainingsolutions-hlc.com for more information. Are you ready to get clear on what your brand is, stand out from the crowd, attract your dream clients, and increase sales? Martha Christina Garza is a luxury brand strategist and marketing expert based in Brooklyn, New York. Martha helps visionary six- and seven-figure entrepreneurs find clarity, focus, and direction to expand their brand, revenue, and impact. If you are looking to build a strong brand foundation to scale faster, brand strategy is the way to get there. Martha will help you connect and convert the right clients to take your business to the next level. Visit www.marthagarza.com. That's www.marthagarza.com. Use the code Mike to get 50% off your first session. I've never had the feeling before of... I have a giant chunk of money and no idea what to do with it. And it weighs like it, like lots of money. Every other point in my life has been free. It's like allowed me to do something I want to do. Yeah. Where I'm like, geez, that's, that's a problem. Like I, like I got to, I now feel a sense of responsibility. I have to do something smart with that is, um, you know, where should I invest that? Should I do more in the business? Shall I grow this thing? Shall I invest in more teams? Shall I take on more premises? Like what can yeah, I yeah, do? Yeah. And, and now you're running down a set of tracks where it's like, hang on, is that where I want to be? Or do I want to be somewhere different? And then you're like, well, should I buy more real estate? Should I, should I do this like 10% down and scale things up? And yeah. Like, and because interest rates are so cheap and you start like feeling this pressure cooker that was entirely unnecessary, entirely self-generated because of the fact that you quote unquote have some money. And sure, it's a, a first world problem and it's a problem that many people are chasing. I don't, I don't want to pretend that I'm, you know, it, it's a real issue, but it feels like a real issue. You know what pisses me? Like the, the whole des- design of command strips is probably impossible. Like they designed command strips to adhere when you wanted to, but then peel off without doing any damage when you don't want to. Right. They're, they're trying to pull off the impossible. Either it yeah. sticks or doesn't. Stick. That's, <laughs> that's if life has proven anything. Like that's, that should be a new uh, video series that you do. Called. <laughs> no, either it sticks or doesn't stick. Well, you can't, it sticks you can't, or it doesn't stick. Yeah, it sticks or it doesn't stick. Or you know what's pissing me off today? You just <laughs> piss me off. That stuff. Nothing I think they're trying to off. sell something that's just the impossible. I take it back. Sticky notes, they figured it out. Sticky notes seem to have the perfect balance. No. My really? Yours come never, off? Exactly. I think I have more faith in command strips than I have in sticky notes. What do you stick your sticky notes to? Wood. Mm. Plastic. Who sticks their sticky notes to wood? Yeah, that's weird. I have a that's- wood, I have a wooden desk, and like they go up on the back of the wooden desk and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. You need something a little more poor. Is it is it shellacked your wood? Not but like maybe a, a fine, a fine coat of of shellac. It's not even shellac. It's just what it cost of it, uh, the, the sealant. Um, um urethane. Polyurethane. Urethane, like a primer or not. Yeah. Primer. Yeah. That, that's I think that's your fault. I think you got to use it with a more porous material. You got to stick a sticky note. There's there's two things you can take a sticky note to. Paper. Blast. Paper. Paper. Uh, three things. Paper, other sticky notes, which just counts as paper, <laughs> or someone's forehead. But when you do their forehead, it lasts for about five seconds. And I you have all to know try that it. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to have to try. You know what my favorite office product is? We should poll the audience. Yeah. It's um the, oh, I don't even know what size you would call it. You know, you know the the giant pieces of paper uh, that usually go on an easel, like the yeah, the, yeah. 
but that, but sticky note version of that. They make yeah, a Kelsey has those. Yeah, Kelsey has that. Yeah, what is that called? I think they just call them extra large post-its, like post-it board. Oh, do they? they? Call it or something. They call it post-it board as opposed to post-it note or something. I have them hanging up. They're like three feet by like two feet or something. I mean, they're awesome. They're yeah, when we put our team goals on those and we used to put them up, they'd stay there forever. Yeah, they were the good. whole meeting. Yeah. Well, no, not even the whole meeting. Remember, you'd leave them. Oh, which yeah, office, yeah, it's true. Like months which later, office? We had them. We had them stuck up. I guess it was our office. We had them You're stuck like, up on the wall. What goal I have? You're like, I should I do that? <laughs> what? Me? That's crazy. The acoustic panels, they'd stay on the wall at least. <laughs> That's the nice thing about sticky notes. You can write a goal you have for life on a sticky note. Within a day, it'll flutter away. <laughs> it's so good. It's right? such a nice relief. I'm going to lose weight this year. <laughs> God. I'm going to stop snacking. Mm. Sticky notes are ideal for people that make New Year's commitments. You know? <laughs> Exactly. I I'm like, picking off the new year. I plan to stop smoking. I saw. I go put it know, all down on drinking. sticky notes. Yeah, yeah committing to this on this sticky note. It's uh, talking about sticky notes. What? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your your segue there. I have, I have these right, and these are these are the post its, and I always make the mistake when I'm making a shopping list. I write it on these, and then I tear it off, and then I put it in my pocket. But it always <laughs> sticks to itself and gets jammed up in my pocket. It's and I do it every time. It's, I'm so. <laughs> I'm impressed with being able to get your shopping list down on a single sticky note. I know. It's, That's impressive. Yeah, well, here's what happens. I make a list of five things and I go there and then I buy like 100. 30 things. Yeah. yeah. I think that the shop online feature where you pay $15 for somebody to do it for you is so brilliant because I'm sure I spare myself at least 50 bucks worth of impulse purchases. So it's worth it to me to spend 50 oh, that bucks, is super 15 smart. bucks to have somebody do my Save shopping 50 list. Bucks. Because That's, I will go in there and spend an extra 50 bucks on stuff I wasn't planning on is, it, is that how you do your shopping now? No. <laughs> I used to. I used to. But Chris got into food shopping, and now he likes to go food shopping. He, like, he likes to make it a thing. He's like, let's go do the food shopping. I don't like doing the food shopping. Yeah. You know what's another good tip is uh, to budget. You buy a gift card for the grocery store that you're – Going to for the amount that your budget. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's smart. And you know you have to stay under that. That's really smart. Well, that's a good hack. Yeah, that's a very good one, Jer. <laughs> so like a hack, a shellac hack. So you could buy like, I guess like five or ten gift cards each for say whatever you're buying your budget to be seventy five bucks because you're gonna have some residual left over, right? Yeah. What you do is you just uh, buy it for the for the month, and then. You know, so like if your budget is 300 bucks for the month, then you keep track as you're going spending. And then, you know, if it's like the mm. last, you got to, you got to, it's Mike's theory. I mean, it's Mike's, it's Mike's method. Really. It's, you got to go back to what you can afford. Yeah. Parkinson's law, which is yeah. not, yeah. It's I know I, not I, yours, but, but right. what's promoted in, in profit first. Right. The one I stole in shares. <laughs> shares. That's, that's the theory. So talking about stealing and sharing, <laughs> Phil, jo I was going to say, my my prior segue was talking about sticky notes. Phil Jones is not the inventor of the sticky note. <laughs> I like that. That's probably the better segue. Brilliant. Um, but he is the author of Exactly What to Say, the whole Exactly series. I think you're going to love this interview. So listen in, and I want to know everyone's thoughts. Is that a Land Rover? What was that car you tricked out? That truck? I have a, um, a tricked-out Defender. I've had it. Defender. Yeah, yeah, I've had it almost two years now, but we've been progressively like pimping it out as I go. I love it; it's my toy. It's, it's beautiful on on Facebook. It's to it, it. It's what year is it? It's an 08, Is all it is. So, it's an 08? Yeah, I thought it was like a nineteen oh eight that you like modernized. Nope, it's an 08, But that car has been the same for like thirty odd years, and I bought it as an original 08 with like eight thousand miles on it, and then. When Land Rover discontinued the Defender, yeah, in 2015, I'm like, okay, let's pour some love into this thing, and and now my little baby. So we've had it all tripped out by a company called Bespoke, and my interior in it is like rugged, but the equivalent of what you'd have in a Bentley. So it's like quilted leather interior, and that is so yeah. cool. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. my, my mashup between. City slick Range Rover and uh, and country could climb up just about anything vehicle. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm I'm in the process too. I, I bought a uh, nothing like that. I bought a Ford Ranger, but I'm tricking it out just a little bit. Nice. And so I go to the guys like, "What do you want?" I'm like, "I want to be a poser, 
without like looking like a poser. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh. He goes, oh, then, then you shouldn't really change anything. <laughs> so um, let's talk about your books. So um, one thing you did, Phil, that I think is absolute genius, genius is you made a series, the Exactly series. Yeah. Um, just tell me about how that concept came about. Tell me about the series of books. Oh, if you want the honest answer, it, it was a beautiful accident with some organic osmosis that came from it. Is yeah, yeah. when I moved from um, the UK to the US as, as sort of a semi-permanent thing, I, I knew I needed a platform to be able to break out my speaking business from being global to, to mostly being North American. So I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm going to do a book uh, and use that as platform to get transparency with speaker bureaus, etc. Yeah, and um, I was going to do a new book, and then I thought to myself, well, if I'm coming into a newish market that I'm not that visible towards, why don't I play one of my greatest hits? And I wrote a book back in the day called Magic Words that did remarkably well that was never supposed to be a real book. I was in a mastermind group maybe a decade or so ago, um, and this was when getting published used to be really hard. Yeah. And I could turn a book around like in a self-published fashion real quick. I could probably do it in like two weeks. And um, my big mouth got me into trouble. The rest of my mastermind were like, all right, prove it then. Um, and I took a training course that I delivered maybe two days prior and had like a two, three-page PDF. And right. I blew it up into a book and padded it out. And two weeks later, we self-published Magic Words um, via Lulu. And I did some KDP promotion on it and just some self-promotion. And we did 120,000 downloads of this thing in its first, like, three, four weeks. And then it became more like a giveaway book as part of speeches and trainings and parts of those things, self-pub. But but I was proud of it, but I hated it. You know, that kind of thing where you do something that you – is full of some of your best work. But because you rushed it and you pushed it out the door real quick, I was proud of it when it went. But – 12 months later, 24 months later, 36 months later, I'm like, it's not a book, it's a pamphlet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so, so what I decided to do was to rewrite it, and I was going to relaunch Magic Words and do the job properly and do it with page two, um, hybrid piece. And a third of the way into, into doing that, I realized there was another book called um, Magic Words in the US by a guy called oh, Tim. Really? Lee. Okay. And I'm like, he's a real magician. And he wrote it it after I published Magic Words, but first date published within the US, a book called Magic Words was his. Mine wasn't published in the US. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to try and fight the guy that's written a pretty decent book under the title that I want right now. I'm just going to rename the book. And I could work. And when you mean fight a guy, like like it's, it's not copyrighted. You could use that title, right? I could, but why? Like, why and try and fight in an already crowded space for attention? Exactly. Okay. okay. I got you. I got you. Okay. It's, like, it's not worth it. Like, let him have it. Um, and I was puzzling for new names, and I delivered a number of programs, including a a, a full day event that I did a hybrid mashup one man show of um, sort of training and entertainment, and I called it exactly what to say, and I delivered it in a theater, and it went well, and we sold well for the tickets. I'm like. Well, that'll do. So I just borrowed that for the book title and then worked the, 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 the subtitle through from there. And then when we launched Exactly What to Say as a book, it did remarkably well. I got some interest from major publishers who tried to buy Exactly What to Say from me when I owed the rights. And I didn't do that deal. I did a two-book deal follow-on instead. And given yeah. that I was marketing Exactly What to Say, I didn't want to then add two books that didn't make sense so the series was born out of the fact that I was going to bring three books out in an 18-month window. How do you yeah. make that make sense? So exactly how to sell and exactly where to start created this trifecta of me being able to have New York traditional publisher, um, but also this leader book that was really the revenue stream backed up with these other two credibility plays. And I thought, okay, well, like that was my chance of being able to say yes to the publisher without giving away my baby. Yeah, I, I love it. So let me just recap it. So exactly what to say, you do a presentation on it. You didn't title test. You don't run analytics. You simply say, oh, that was a good presentation. That's my yeah. book title. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and it works. I mean, it more than works. You have such a popular book. 
I know, I know. But also, no, is there's two types of books in this world, right? There's, I got a new idea, I'm going to put this in a book. Yeah, yeah. And then there's material that is time served, that has been part of your repertoire for like an age, that you've worked mm-hmm. it out to the max, that you've had the edges rounded off it from messing up presentations. You've yeah, exactly. written 27 speech titles that, and, and Mike, you know this like I do, is is we've been in those rooms, right, where you do the exposure gigs back in the day, and you know your title of that speech right. is going to decide whether somebody comes to your session or somebody else. That's totally true. Totally true. Right? So, so I knew this was a winning title because every time I titled a speech that, I, I'd split the crowd. And I'd like to think it was reputation and all the other things it would be, but I knew that if I titled a speech exactly what to say – at the um like the the excel world sales forum um and i was a speaker alongside 20 other people that i would highly rate my session would get traction based on title alone when there are mm. 15 20 concurrence so it, it wasn't a shot in the dark but it wasn't a huge amount of analysis so tell me about those titles for the speaking engagements when you spoke at a sales conference you got 20 of your contemporaries competing for the same time slot. Uh, did you modify a title to say exactly what to say to sell as much as you want? Or Yeah, yeah. I put all sorts of different pieces. To, and I do it now, right? Even coming through COVID is is one of my most successful speech titles was exactly what to say to navigate change. Oh, I think to say exactly what to say when you have a mask in front of your face. <laughs> well, the promotional material we do to keep this dream alive, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see their lips. Um but yeah, it, it, it's been fun. And when I would write speech titles for these bigger concurrent events, I'd go last. I'd deliberately go last. So it would be, let me see who I'm up against and write a speech that draws attention, write, write a title that draws attention versus if I was a punter, which direction would I go? Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe that's what I ended up doing with the book is going last. And, you know, another thing, so so we're in this group together. Uh, I don't even know if we really have a name, but kind of as an author meetup. <laughs> and people share best practices. And one thing you did that blew my mind, and I, I don't know of any other authors that are in a position to do it or even consider doing it, is you take your book and you modify it for sponsors. So if someone's willing to buy a thousand copies of your book, you change the cover, you change the copy inside the book. Tell I mean, me about that strategy. Wait, and wait. I want to know... You're just walking away. You're so pissed I shared that. Oh, I, I, I thought you were so pissed I shared it. You're like, I'm out of here. Like, like here are some of them. Like, like look at that. So I got to read it this way. Exactly what to say. There's all different colors. And then, and, and look, like this is this is little brand in the corner. You know who they are, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, hold on. The VW in the bottom left. Yeah, I think I recognize VW. Volkswagen. And so big brands. And then and here's a small solar companies edition. Let's try and get autofocus to work. Uh, so momentum, momentum, yeah. A small group of auto dealers in Canada, Go Auto. Auto Luxury Edition. That's wild. Professional Photographers Association. Oh wow, wow, yeah. Um, I mean, we even did a, a, a recruiting within the world of trucking edition. CDL driver recruiting edition. Exactly what to say. That my gosh, the CDL driver. So well, this is amazing. It's like cool, and, and, and we push it even further, Mike, as well. Like, like so, I then did a spin-off just for the real estate industry, and this is exactly what to say for real estate agents. Increase income for real estate agents. This book alone is now pushing a hundred thousand copies. Are you effing me? Right, Damn it, Jones. And look, now we customize the real estate edition for, for curator bridges and. Um, and you think if you're a real estate agent, you've got a hundred agents in your team, you want to be able to do your version of the book. If you're, uh, yeah. well, my hope is if you're Keller Williams and you've got 50,000 agents worldwide, you might want to do yours too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I like it because it's never ending, Mike. It's like, like uh, I, I'm going to run this book all the time. I have air in my lungs and keep breathing new life into it because it's, it's truly evergreen. Yeah, I, I think it's genius. So, so tell me, what's the strategy? I mean, I'm with Penguin. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do anything about that. They're like, are you kidding me? We, we can't even change the dust cover design. How do you change the design and some of the content? 
you build a system. You know about building business systems, right? So um, we've now formulated this whole thing out. I've built people in my team that when somebody wants one, like we've got a low-end offering that we send up to the page and they just click their colors and they get to be able to do it themselves. And then we got a mid-tier offering where we provide some customization and we bundle that in with a webinar piece. And, you know, I do a research call and a webinar and the book exists as part of that bundle. And um, we've systemized the fulfillment on that with lead times and, 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 and to turn that around. And what's really interesting, Mike, that I'm loving this year is we built second sale into all of our systems. So we are now nudging people for do you need more? And mm-hmm. we're getting repeat orders at full retail price for bulk copies of custom editions that now we just hold in print on demand. So we just get like, and it's not massive money. Like I want a hundred more of those at fourteen ninety nine a piece, and and we just like, but it's you know two dollars and fifty cents print, fourteen ninety nine retail times a hundred click. Don't see it. Yeah, so you make a, you make a thousand plus dollars on a single single click. Something my team does that, and we get you know a handful of those for a month. Like that, that's in all extensive purposes a, a real business by itself. It's just repeat orders on custom books. Listen, dude, I, you're being paid to market. I mean, your name is probably on there. Your business, I think you're one of the sharpest authors in this industry. I mean, the fact that you can further monetize books. Here's what I do. I'm like, oh, if it's in print, it can be in audio, it can be in Kindle, and then pff, books are done. Yeah, but you're custom, the only guy I know that's that's done, made custom audio books. Oh, you do custom audio? Yeah. Did I, I don't know if I knew that. Yeah, Does it say I, like? This is Phil Jones. This book is dedicated to Mike McCallowitz. <laughs> do that cheesy insert, and I just record it, and we then and then we built how we how we host that for the client, and then we license it to them on renewal, and they can run it in their LMS. So hold on, wait, wait you you custom record just parts of it, not the whole book, obviously, just well, the I intro. I just do it again in one hit. Yeah, well, well, just the part. No, the whole book. The whole book without this is really. But remember, exactly what to say is 74 minutes long. Okay. Right? For me, a 74-minute playtime is about three days of recording time. I mean, can you record it in a couple hours or is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a two-hour take. Um, That's impressive. And not only that, is if there's an imperfection and it's in a client custom audiobook, they love it. So, like, really be like it's – the published version that's for everybody in this format. I mean, we do put it through some audio engineering and we cut yeah. it up the way we should do, but I'm certain that all I could do is put a decent microphone on and, and record it at my Mac and, and chop the ends off and, and everybody's happy. I love it. I love it. You know, so, something I'm trying right now with audio is um, I did an audio only, only release. I had to get a, a release from Penguin to do it by saying I'm going to self-pub this, but only in audio and uh, recorded in my office. But here's the trick. I didn't have a book. I just, it was like a podcast. I started yeah. talking and my editor cut it down to the pizzas that were relevant and streamed it together. And now the book is, it's selling, but we haven't promoted it. It's kind of sitting there. It, it was called the recession response. So it was specific to this kind of weird quasi recession where some businesses are getting crushed and some are exploding. Um, so I don't know if the topic was perfect, I'm thinking about doing that with other books now is testing on audio to see. Yeah. I'm also intrigued as well. And this is, you know, I know we're recording this right now, but an idea that I'm having right now is, is pretty much going to hear this bro. So just be careful. Yeah, it's fine. I don't mind. Is nobody will do anything with good ideas. Like they never do anyway. Right. So, um, is producing books in audio first and then creating the print book off the back of the audio. So it is actually make the primary content medium spoken word and yeah. then back it up with a print book to be able to follow it that is merely a, a re-edited transcription. Yeah, that's exactly, well, very similar to what I'm trying. I, I kind of make up the book on the fly. But are you, how would you get the spoken word? Are you going to write it out first or are you just kind of wing it and assemble it? Write the spoken word as you would in spoken word, like the format you're talking about, but then turn that into a manuscript and just get the manuscript tidied up. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what I'm doing. What I did was I, this audio book, I just kind of riffed, we sampled and said, is there interest? If there's interest, we're just going to print it. Well, um, well, well, what I'd love to see Mike McCallowitz do is I'd love you to do your take on like what I did with my Audible original is 
so so we did an audio training program right and i did it with a live audience in partnership with audible and we had a few hundred people in the theater in new york city and um it was probably my greatest piece of work that i've done today and then we created and engineered the experience after the fact to make the listener feel like they were part of a live studio audience wow and it was eight hours one take recorded to live studio but now I have my sales training one-day program that exists as an Audible original called How to Persuade and Get Paid. But the listener, it. you know, it was designed to say that the listener at home is expecting to enjoy this as a listening experience. So I did a one-day program, no slides, no tools, no props, no anything, because I wanted it to transfer as, a, as an audio experience only. Um, and that's done well. That sounds amazing. So tell me more about that. Did, did the audience, were they just passive listeners or were they asking no, questions? They were, they were in like, like, and that was the whole point too, is the, is when you know your material so well, you know what the audience responses are. The audience responses are in the finished program. So we mic the room. And again, the listener just feels like that somebody else is responding to questions and they just happen to be a quiet person. I've had people on the wall. They, they join the workshop and engage in it, even though they're in the car, like, like they feel yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, which is fun. I mean, it, it hasn't had it. The, the sad thing for me on that is audible. were really running into this live recording. They had, uh, bought into a theater in New York, like all of their investment was running. Oh, towards yeah. And then, um, some change around within senior leadership, change in different directions. And my pub date came right at that exact time where, um, Oh, the change with the, the foot. Yeah. The exposure promised and the big release that was planned just didn't happen. And now every contact I had through that project, not one of them. Oh, it works there. Not one. Oh, so did, so you self pub that book? No, no, no. It's, it's released for the audible. It's an audible original. Oh, it's an audible. Oh, that's right. It's the yeah, audible it's publisher. It just doesn't have um, – it didn't have the push of the team of people that were involved in the creation of it still existing to be able to – Such a novel it. idea. You know, that's what's so funny. Like, I, these big businesses, they, they have great ideas, and then they kind of just vanish. They don't matriculate it. A small what's business – The next one, right? Yeah. Yeah, just the next one. I did a, uh, a TV show, believe it or not. I got, got Braun's a host for a, a reality show called Go Big or Stay Home. It was backed by Discover Channel. They spent uh, somewhere between three hundred and five hundred thousand dollars, according to the producer, to produce this, and it was like legit. Like, I flew out to Lake Tahoe. They had a crew of like twenty people. They actually had food service was one of them. And I'm like, wow, th this is going to be big. And um, we did the a, a week of, of filming. They made the sizzle. I saw it. Uh, they actually made a pilot too, and it sucked. It sucked. And. Uh, <laughs> It really, it just did. It just did. And then they just abandoned it. The concept was great. Um, the execution just, there was something missing. Yeah. Honestly, maybe it was me being the host. Maybe they should have someone else. But they did. What was amazing to me was they just said, nah, we're done with this. Almost a half million bucks and just say you're done. They just walk away. Yeah. Walked away. Yeah. That didn't work. Dude, I don't know. So, um, okay. So you do this audible book. Um, you, you said it's one of your, your best works of all time. Are, are you doing anything else to matriculate it, even though Audible is not helping out? Yeah. I mean, I'm on a podcast right now. I just mentioned it, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, true. I don't know. It, I'm buying it. Yeah. It is what I try to build. And I think you're a master of this too, is, is an ecosystem of, of IP, not, yeah. you know, any one thing. And, 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 What's interesting in, in, in how I'm trying to build my body of work is exactly what to say is almost always the gateway drug that somebody finds in my world yeah, yeah, yeah. and then what, what else exists. So it naturally almost matures into that. Um, and I, what I'm enjoying is, is people finding it through somebody else and then yeah, looping yeah, yeah. around and saying, how can you help? And where it serves me best, Mike, is, is – I built this business from a training business. 
So 11, 12 years ago, I was running one-day seminars and inviting people to come and learn how to sell in an ethical way um, for people who wouldn't typically see themselves as salespeople. I still get inquiries for that stuff. Now what happens is I push those inquiries towards the Audible original and, and, mm. and I get to be able to say yes to the people that I don't want to tell them my current fees. Like I, I, I don't want to go from the guy that was charging 85 pound a head at a workshop um, to what we now charge as speaking fees right, and, right. and working with corporations as businesses have grown, right? Um, so a primary driver was to have an answer for that is to be able to say, how do I keep still serving the people that I really care about at that lower end of the market that, that don't have the corporate infrastructures? Um, but the other part of it too is, is people are finding it and then asking me to be able to deliver custom versions of the same mm. in their organization. It's like, hey, can you do something like this for us across a three-day program? Or is this something you can add to a keynote and work with us over the next six months? Mm-hmm. So it just proves in every area of my work that there's a deeper body of work. So it almost is like an extended resume or it's a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a bigger interview that if somebody wants to say, hey, behind the sizzle of the keynote, what else is there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then they get to be able to understand, well, hold on, and keep that keynote energy for eight hours? Wow. Like they can deliver that and be an engaging an environment that was on audio? Well, that's cool. Um so it served me in a lot of ways that way of, of just having people coming to me saying, can you help with blank? And, and I hope I can afford you versus we're looking at people to be able to help us with X, Y, and Z. What do you charge? Right. It's just a very different dynamic of conversation to the types of work I enjoy doing now. And I, I like having it in my arsenal for that. Tell me about the makeup of your team. I mean, to support all the work you're doing, Clearly not just you. you. You talked about your team uh, producing the books and so forth. What, what's the makeup of a team for uh, someone in your position as an author, influencer? My team is lean on purpose. Uh, and I work well with a lot of partners who take full responsibility. So I class page two in my publishing setup. Oh, they're awesome. I just talked with Trina's recently. Yeah, Trina's great. Uh, and, and so so our partnership with Page Two delivers fulfillment for all the custom books and and where to go next. And everything that we're doing in that professional publishing world is through Trina. But then I have Bonnie in my team, who is my books person and does some other EA stuff. So mm-hmm. everything to do with books, managing inventory, setting things up with Trina, keeping me honest on my deliverables, et cetera. I have one person in my team that is all things books, but then we have like this full support operation through page two that sit behind that one person. I think that's why I've talked with other entrepreneurs and I'm like, Oh, tell me about your team. And like, Oh, I really don't have one. It's just me. But they start talking about their vendors. Well, the, the team is vendors or, or yeah. part-time employees or virtual help. I mean, anyone that's doing a service to you, right. Or for yeah. you. And this is what I have is I have almost like a middle management team and then vendors. So I, I have um, then somebody on my brand management side of things that helps with my, you know, my websites, et cetera, but yeah, yeah, yeah. A team of support that supports, you know, social media posting, graphic design creation, video creation, et cetera. So I don't employ any of those services, but I employ somebody to, to facilitate those services. Um, and then I have somebody who's my sort of CFO. Yep. Um, and because we generate money from all sorts of different areas and the cross transatlantic setup, like I just want somebody to keep all that stuff honest and, yeah. and, you know, help me navigate that. And also make sure we don't forget to get paid. Like what the, the downside of being self-published and as successful as exactly what to say is we have contracts galore for international things we have and it's scrappy, right? But it's like 2,500 bucks here and 1500. Yeah, sure. And, and so somebody that just keeps all that in check and, and make sure that the promise of that being paid actually gets paid and that stuff. Um, I also own and operate an agency that works in just one niche. So we have a marketing agency that provides a done with you service for hearing care providers in the U S we have 50 clients. They pay a monthly recurring fee and, and we have, 11 full-time staff and then an army of freelancers behind that operation. And I'm in thought leadership, president role, 
and drive strategic direction of that company. But my two business partners in that run the day-to-day operation. So that's you know another team. And, and I spend my days doing stuff like this, delivering yeah. for clients, and, and, and then making decisions. That's yeah. really all, all my day-to-days are, and try and get as much stuff off my desk as possible. Like, I don't like stuff. I, uh, I equate this to um, kind of a band. Like, there's a front man for the band, the singer, that everyone recognizes, but they don't realize the music's being created behind them. Yeah. You know, the, the role you're serving sounds like predominantly is being a spokesperson for all these different elements, making strategic decisions, yeah. being a spokesperson. Yeah, um, it, it, it's it's more than that, though, Mike, and you'll know this yeah. in your organization, is, is it's easy to say it's the spokesperson, and then the strategic advisor, but you, you're also you're also the energy. You're also the cheerleader, yeah. The, yeah, the, the the ballsy one to be able to go in and get scrappy when things need to change. You're the yes. one that cleans up other people's messes. You're um, the, the person that can pull everybody in a new direction and sell them on a new idea when it needs to be done, yes. and be able to turn a ship and it not be bad news. True, um, and create a, and create the new ideas too, the new content. Yeah all of that is to where we're going and, 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 you know, it's leading from the front, the middle and the back at the same time. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I figured it out, but I've made a lot of mistakes and <laughs> I have learned where my time is best spent. Yeah. Yeah. And we well, seem to be doing it right. I, let me ask you about this, the, the international business, uh, you're in the UK, you generate a lot of revenue in the U S currency exchange. Is that a problem? How do you handle it? It's a pain in the butt. Um, so, you know, the UK is my home, but I'm a US resident right now, right? So I, I'm technically here on vacation right now at my gotcha. vacation home in the UK. But what we do is I run two separate companies. So I have my okay. UK company and my US company, and I, and I trade them as, as two completely separate entities. And I exist myself on whichever country I'm domiciled. So okay. basically, basically, I pay for two lives. That's funny. So, so right now you're living the UK life, and and what happens with the US business? It collects revenue, it just accumulates, yeah, just just grows revenue. Yeah, and then when you come back to the US, interestingly though, while I'm here, I'm running expenses from my US company. Uh, how do you do that? I guess it's, it's US specific expenses then. Sure, but um, Phil Jones, the person at this point in time, is a US resident that's on vacation in the UK. Oh, right, right. I'm not employed by my UK company. My UK so company. So you're, so you're spending US dollars as you go through the UK, if you're, do you, whatever you're doing your day to day. But but also I have Forex accounts on both sides that allow me to be beneficial. And sure, we carry on balance sheets, currency losses. But in yeah. the grand scheme of things, yeah, I kind of I'm okay with that. And, and because we operate on both sides – I don't mind holding dollars or GBP. Like it doesn't yeah. matter to me. So it means that more often than not, unless we're trying to do something big on a personal level, et cetera, we can trade at times that is suitable to us. So like, yeah, so I don't, I don't feel forced into trading on day rates or anything anywhere is that we'll just go, okay, I like that rate. Let's move a lump. Let's move yeah, a yeah. lump. Yeah. So hey, what's next for you? Um, I don't know is less okay i think is the title of your new book (laughs) um if i was well i do have a working title for a potential new book that is um it's called enough oh interesting um which is i just think as an entrepreneur and particularly somebody who's operated in and around the sales arena for as long as i have done i've learned that everybody is chasing for more but more is never the answer Mm. Yet, yet still everybody's on the relentless quest for more, but I've mm-hmm. never met anybody who gets to the end of that chase, um, wherever it might be. And, and, and you and I know some people who are like redonkulously successful to the standard version of success. Right, right. And they're still chasing more. So right. Right. I'd like to explore a, a non-advice book, but an exploratory type book to try and help find the answer to enough. Like where, where is that, that? That is interesting. That's a really cool, that's very ethereal, very cerebral. 
I, I was at a conference with entrepreneurs, some you know wildly successful entrepreneurs, and one guy, it's a hundred people we've been gathering for a long time, uh, broke down in tears, and he goes, "No one gets me." He made a hundred million dollars income, and he goes, "No one gets me." And he goes, "He goes, what's what I've turned into is I'm so afraid of losing the money that the, the panic and overwhelm is is relentless." I believe it because you start attaching your identity, yeah, to that success number, or if that success story disappears, yeah, like you see it with people, whether it's millionaire, billionaire, house, car, whatever it might be, and I, you know, I know as much about your story too. Is is when you attach your identity to a number or a possession or a having yeah. a things, like you lose your identity. Yeah, yeah. So that you know, the, the best thing I heard on this topic, I was from Dave Ramsey and uh, in one of his books. And he says these are maybe one of his radio shows because this is not my things. I am a steward of these things, meaning that I've temporary, I'm of temporary service to them almost. Yeah. And, and to me, like, Oh, that was a big relief that what I thought was possessions. I'm simply uh, responsible for maintaining or stewardship and, and transferring. And that, that felt good. I like that. I like that thought is, yeah. And, and I think that is, is a truism actually in so many things, like even the running of a business and, and, you know, we're selling a couple of properties here right now that, that I've bought and acquired like through time and, and it's going to result in all of that cash liquidity coming back into our life. And, and, and I've never had the feeling before of, I have a giant chunk of money and no idea what to do with it. And it weighs like it, like lots of money. Every other point in my life has been free. It's like allowed me to do something I want to do. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, geez, that's, that's a problem. Like I, like I got to, I now feel a sense of responsibility. I have to do something smart with that is, um, you know, where should I invest that? Shall I do more in the business? Shall I grow this thing? Shall I invest in more teams? Shall I take on more premises? Like, what can yeah, I do? Yeah. And now you're running down a set of tracks where it's like, hang on, is that where I want to be or do I want to be somewhere different? And then you're like, well, should I buy more real estate? Should I should I do this like 10% down and scale things up that people yeah. are doing? And, and because interest rates are so cheap? And you start like feeling this pressure cooker that was entirely unnecessary, entirely self-generated because of the fact that you, quote, unquote, have some money. And sure, it's a, a first world problem. And it's a problem that many people are chasing. I don't, I don't want to pretend that I'm, you know, it, it's a real issue, but it feels like a real issue. But, but it is. And a lot of people that are listening just won't be able to relate. They're like, oh, Phil, just give me the money, bro. Like, hook me up. But that's not it. Like, this is, you've attained it through prudence, through effort, and now there's a responsibility associated with it. I, I'm not at that level. I don't, I, I can start feeling what you're feeling, but I don't really get it yet. Um and I'm sure it can be a major burden. Well, the responsibility becomes feels heavier when that money exists within a corporation too. So mm. the, the real estate I'm selling here is, is owned by one of my corporations. So it isn't like, oh, I just stick this in some ISAs or some savings accounts, or I, you know, pour it into 401k, or like it's it's lump of money back into business. So I can take it out of my business pay insane amounts of tax on it and then still have no purpose with it. Like why do that? I can store it in my business and, and shelter it from income tax for a period of time, which is not the worst decision in the world, but hold on. Right. Like, like if, if your money's not working, it's losing is what we've, you know, we've, we've, we've been taught a number of times. I'm not a patient investor. Like yeah. everything I've ever built for myself is because I know how to accelerate revenue and profitability and, you know, and, and grow stuff quickly. Um, so I'm not going to have the patience of doing something with money that is like, oh, I made quarter of a percent on that. And like, like I'm not doing that. Yeah. I know enough about enough that says I don't trust the markets. <laughs> and it, I, know, it, I know, especially right now. But. Yeah. And I don't think anybody knows, right? Unless you know, no, and then you probably shouldn't know. Like, right. <laughs> like, um, so That's a good point, actually. yeah, um, I just find it and I'm having fun with the feeling like it hurts and it's frustrating, but I'm having fun exploring it and being like, ah, it just gives you a new sense on, I'm trying to let it be freeing as opposed to like 
constraining and trying to say, well, hold on, if I was to rebuild my business again from scratch from right now, what might I do differently? If somebody provided me a crazy investment in my business mm. years ago, what might I have done with it if I had the money at the time, but I didn't do is, you know, is, is there something that I could do that creates an opportunity for somebody else that was me 10 years ago? Like, like well, let me wrap up with this, this question for you is, uh, what your life trajectories played out. Is this what you expected for yourself when you were younger? Um, it's what I dreamed of, hoped for, and planned for. And the journey has been nothing like anything I could have imagined. I love that. I love that. Phil, this has been fascinating. Like I said, you're one of, if not the sharpest author I know, just come up with such innovative ideas and have, have changed. You're in the bleeding edge of what authorship is becoming. So thank you for leading us. And uh, thanks for doing my little show with me. Ah, I love it. Thank you. Looking forward to hanging out again in person someday in the not too distant. Yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. Thanks, my man. Thank you. So let me tell you this. I, I was on my most recent flight. I'm doing back-to-back weeks now. It's, it's kind of like the old days. When I say the old days, pre-COVID. Yeah. And I used to listen to our own podcasts on the flight. I would download before flight and I listened to them just to get reacquainted with some of the stuff we've done. I don't listen to every single one. The privilege of doing the interview and you know, you don't have to. Um, our show is pretty freaking good. Can I say that, man? Is that? Yay, please say that. Like I was listening to a recent one with Mike Maddock. I mean, uh-huh. it, that's a few, that's about a month ago. And yeah. like, this is just, Jeremy, you did a nice job producing the show, man. You oh, really did. You. you do, you do a nice job interviewing. So thank you. Sense. You really do. And he's a particularly good guest. He was really, he was a great guest. Mm-hmm. The banter that's was fun. Thing, though, like, the banter between us was fun. Yeah. The funniest uh, part about it. What, what the text that you sent me, Mike, can I tell Amy and everybody, I guess. <laughs> and apparently anybody's yeah. listening to the podcast. So I got all jacked up. I yelled at Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, I get a Voxer. And every time it's on the weekend and I get a Voxer, I'm like, Oh, yeah, it puts our time. It's like it's like, <laughs> like what did I do? 4 a.m. <laughs> so it's California um, time. Oh I, no, Eastern time. Mike goes, uh, hey, are the podcast episodes up? Like I'm not seeing it. And I was like, What? What's what are you, where are you looking at? And then he's like, "Oh, I looked at the wrong uh, podcast. He was looking at the wrong podcast." I, our, oh, I said, "I'm like, so I I download and I'm like, why isn't it refreshing?" So I take a screenshot. I'm like, "I don't know if our podcasts are broadcasting. Maybe it's just my phone." So I send it to Jeremy. He's like, "Dude, wrong podcast, bro." Was it entrepreneurship? Elevator? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the because the Matic episode was on there. I didn't appreciate the fact that Jeremy posts some episode oh, that's back right. on the historical yes, yes, show. Just yes, to kind of pull everybody over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Smart. Yeah. So I got all jacked. <laughs> yeah. I, if anybody um, is listening uh, and you listen to Entrepreneurship Elevated or you did listen to Entrepreneurship Elevated, like leave us a comment or something. Just say, hey, because uh, we we still got people, stragglers over there that we're trying to get back, get over the new show. Yeah. So let's talk about a little, little bit of Phil Jones. Yeah. What, what was your, what was your all's impression? The fact that he modifies all, everything he modifies for sponsors and then he actually does the audio recordings for their books too did i understand that correctly you understood that correctly and, and he said he does the full read now they're short books yeah they're- but he's doing this in two hour pops that's pretty impressive even even now just the whole customization process was really mind-boggling i thought oh. that was so cool yeah i thought it was impressive so you know we have an author's group um that meets virtually just to share best practices and stuff and Phil's in there. And uh, I, I want to say he is, I hope he's okay with me saying this, the most profitable per book sale author in the whole group. And there's some you know, very established names, people you'd know. But on a per book sale, he generates the most revenue. And it's because of this strategy of just repackaging. Right, right. It's brilliant. Really brilliant. I think it's also fascinating that you you can you meaning we can repurpose content. I mean, if you produce something in one format, um, you don't have to create the next brand new thing and reinvent it. Mm-hmm. You you can use that same content and maybe modify it slightly, package it differently. Now that the value changes again, yeah. and that's what Phil's masterful at. He's just like, how can I use the same thing yet again 
in another new format, another new way. I thought because it is impressive and it and it it obviously appeals to to different people. I mean, you could have the same customer for both products, right? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Sean, what do you think? He has a Defender, a Land Rover Defender. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have a hard time when I listen to uh, okay, it happens when we have two types of guests, either people uh, from Australia or people from the UK, I zone out because I just get fixated on their <laughs> oh, accent. On their accent. Yeah. And then the, then I'm driving home and I'm like, oh, you'll get off the road. <laughs> I'm like, get off the road bloke. It's an immersive yeah. experience for Jared. Is, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a real advantage. I'll tell you, for the American ear, the Australian or British accent is so appealing that, I think for some people, it just, it becomes, um, distra- maybe distracting to an extreme, but it becomes appealing. Yeah. I think you, you share the same information, the exact same words with a British accent versus an, Eng- an American English accent. I'm going to want to listen to the English accent. I'm right. The British English accent. Yeah. yeah the British. I, I think they're, I think that's a massive advantage. And and I don't think the reverse is true. It's not like, oh, the American nasally voice <laughs> is now in England and they're like, oh, this is. We've got to get that. We've got to get on that. This is wonderful, yeah. chap. Yeah, we love hearing your voice. <laughs> when I lived in uh, Switzerland, I had friends who were Swiss, and they said that they liked my accent. Oh, really? Yeah. Very nice. I, I heard that if you rate a- accents, the American accent is not highly rated, particularly the Northeast American accent. <laughs> yeah. I'm <Ours>. thinking. <laughs> I don't think it's highly rated. You know the worst? I'm sorry. Long Island. Um, yeah, I love you guys, but is the worst i can't oh yeah yeah boston, that's a tough boston is like wicked art god yeah i when i went to boston i was like talking to a police officer i couldn't understand one thing that he said the entire conversation all i understood was like baseball that was it so funny i think the accent i dislike even though i love the people probably have all cultures it's my favorite culture but an accent like the least is the indian accent Cause it's like a little beat. Yeah. It sounds very much at that level. Like, and it, it, to me, it's just, it's a little bit jarring. Uh-huh. It's not jarring. It's, it's, it's like getting needled in the eye. A little bit. <laughs> I had a, I had a psych professor in college, uh, Indian man, and he was lovely. And you just felt so comfortable and warm in his presence. But for the first two weeks, my classmates and I, he would say this one word and we'd all look around to see if the other person got yeah, it. We're all, that, taking right? theirs, all taking notes. And he'd say, yes, it's uh, this terapy. Terapy. <laughs> I didn't know what we were talking about for two weeks. And then yeah. I finally figured out therapy. But yeah, it took me, it took me a bit. If, yeah, it's, if it's really, really a thick accent, it's really sometimes hard to get. You know what accent, like you, you think everyone wants, they, they, these people want to fight you every time? It's a Scottish accent. Oh, yeah. It's you think like they're, they're ready for a brawl. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> I know, it's coming you know, at it's, you. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> no, I'm not. You know, it, it seems like you're going to get assaulted. It's true. And, and when they really get going, I have no idea. So we were in Ireland. And the Irish accent, beautiful accent too. Yeah. Irish yeah. You know, and we're talking to these Irish people and stuff. And then a Scottish guy came in and prototypical Scott, broken nose, with some <laughs> a gash that's healed over, but it's gashed again. Like, I was like, I'll sit at this table. And it just, I'm sure he was the nicest guy, but yeah. you thought you were about to get to a brawl. And and you can't understand. There was a beer bottle I coming down on your head. And he's like, like oh, stop. Stop. Muffin. I think he was ordering an English muffin. <laughs> Do you guys remember uh, Fat Bastard from Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It's in his head out. He does a great job with that. That's a great Scottish accent. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Turtle poking its head out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have one more one more thing on Phil Jones, yeah. Mike. At the very end of the of the conversation, he was talking about some other um this thing he was exploring about entrepreneurs who get to a certain level and still need more. I wondered what your thoughts were on that, that whole Chris calls it his inner shark. He can't stop. He can't. Can't stop. Yeah, there's this compulsion. Oh, so I, uh, this is kind of a parallel. I got an email from Noah. He's our editor over at Penguin. Mm -hmm. This is Thursday night around midnight. I I guess he was up. I emailed him. I actually announced in the huddle this morning, I had to turn in the clockwork uh, revised and expanded 
there's a big reveal. I'm working on the next book. And I send in what's called the TI or the title information page, which is just gives an outline of how is this book new and different from the existing one. And it's due Friday morning. Well, I used the flight I worked on to get it done. And that morning I had sent in our cover design elements for Get Different. And I also produced uh, something else he needed um, in the afternoon. And so when I send this third thing, he goes, he emails back and says, I want that moon juice you're drinking, <laughs> right? And I said, uh, dude, you don't, I, I, you don't. It sounds you don't amazing. You can get all this shit done, but I can't stop. Like you can't turn it off. Can I turn it off? So I'm at home to sit down, like just hang out and watch a movie. Like my kids, Bru- my wife. Kind of brutal. Go. I'm like, I, I, I gotta, I gotta be doing work. Yeah. I, yeah. So it, it's difficult. So I'm like, you don't, it's, you don't want the moon juice. That's what I think what Christopher feels like too. He's like, you just, I can't, I'm it's like really uncomfortable to sit here. And not do not when I know that I want to, I, what I want to do, I want to go do. And I kind of get that when it comes to my own interests and not being able to go do what my own interests are. But you guys work on another level of production and productivity. Well, you, you know, the thing is I, when I, in my head, what's going on is like, I'm installing electric around the house. Everything I'm doing is, oh, because this will allow me to relax. I'm setting up systems. To, <laughs> we, we got this thing called Lutron uh, door, not Lutron door, Lutron uh, switches. Switch. So. Yeah, switches. They connect to your uh, Alexa. Okay. So you can set, you know, I got to be careful saying the word Alexa because my thing lights up. And I, right now <laughs> on this podcast, anyone listening to it and hears us say Alexa, all it's their going Alexa to light throw, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, but what I can say is Alexa, I dim the um, bedroom lights or dim the fireplace lights. And so it all syncs up. So I'm like, oh, by installing these, I have a little more R&R time. I can just sit on the couch. We can turn on a movie. I can say dim the movie or house lights, whatever the, the word is. Right. It dims the room's lights. Right. But I, I just keep on finding more and more projects to do to bring more and more comfort, which brings more <laughs> Projects anxiety, right? and more work and yeah. less downtime. Exactly. Yeah. It's such an interesting concept. Something I can think about a little mm-hmm. bit more. And I'd like to hear what he en- ends up coming up with. I'll be interested in whatever he uh, – I think he's going to write about it, correct? So I um, – Who? Uh, Phil, he wanted to pursue this this whole idea. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he is. He is. Yeah, yeah. fascinating thing. We're gonna say yeah. Jay Sloan. I don't know how you uh, are okay with Alexa. I, I I don't get like I don't want to invite a device to listen to everything that I do. It's like yeah. so. I don't know. Like just everything I know about the NSA and everything. Like I mean, I'm probably on a watch list somewhere. I I, I got <laughs> enough people listening to me. I don't want you know, Amazon, because they just use that information to market to you, honestly. Like that's yeah, what for, sure, for sure. But if I don't you- have an Alexa and my phone is constant. And my iPad are constantly filling up with information of things I've just spoken about. So clearly my phone, my watch, yeah, listen, everything uh, they're all listening. So I have not yet figured out how those privacy settings should be set up yeah. or what that microphone setting should be like so that this doesn't happen, but I haven't figured it out. So I'm, I'm basically, I have an Alexa as long as I have the, the Apple true. stuff on me. So the, the freakiest thing that ever happened to me was when I got my phone's a piece of crap, but when I bought it new, um, I had called my mom and we were talking about something and she mentioned peach cobbler. We had a conversation about peach cobbler. I put the phone down. Five minutes later, I go to the phone. I pull up Google and suggested was Peach Cobbler. Yeah. And I just got the phone. And I'm yeah. like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Find those settings. Find settings. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. So funny. So freaky. Yeah. Are we better bold? Oh, do we have a game to play first, though? Oh, yeah. We do have a game. Yeah. All right. Let's do, let's do the game before we split. Let me pull this up here. <clears throat> While you're pulling up, I want to thank uh, our listeners for listening in. I hope you enjoyed the Phil Jones interview as much as we did. And I would love for you to rate and review the show. So go to rateourpodcast.com. That'll serve us and I think it'll serve you too. So thank you. All right. We got a, we got a great trivia today. You're going to love okay. this. So normally I try and relate it somehow to the guest for Phil. I, I don't think there was anything that I could relate to. Okay. Uh, I went with what I get made fun of all the time for. And that's cats. So Yay. Cat trivia. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Me too. Yeah. I love it. Do we do uh, rag on you? Is it getting to you? Do we rag on you too much or is you can handle it still? No, it's it's funny because, you know, I um I don't want to be like that. And I'm not that like stereotypical, like people say cat lady, right? But if you're a guy, it's like 10 times worse. Like if you have <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and you're a guy, like you can't even have one cat. If you have two cats and you're a guy, it's like you're a weird. I know. You're I know. out of control, Jerry. Yeah. You, you are out of control. <laughs> but but you know, I, the reason why I did it was because I had uh my, my eldest cat and he was like lonely. And I was like, Oh, come on, dude, I gotta get you a friend. <laughs> then I got a friend. But now I see how it happens. This is how cat lady starts. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, Well, they should both have another friend. You know? <laughs> and then before you know, you have like 30 cats. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give uh, us some trivia, man. Right. Question one. Cats have uh, 230 bones. How many more than humans do they have? Got options? Do we have options? Oh, yeah. I was getting to that. Oh, I'm pushy today. Uh, is, exact. I love it. Sorry. A is nine. B is 17. And C is 24. You know, I was listening to the other podcast and Mike was like, I think I figured out Jeremy's system. Oh, I knew you were going to hear that. About it, about it. That's why I didn't say what it was because I don't want to reveal. I want to see if I get the this one. We'll see how well I do. Okay, okay. Testing. But if you, if you, get, if you do get all of them right, though, then you have to tell me what. I will. Is. I will. If I start. No, I won't get them all right. But if I start getting like two. Out if I start getting like two per time. episode, at least two per episode. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. All right, question two. Catnip produces an effect on cats similar to that of which drug? Is it heroin, LSD, or crack cocaine? And Amy's three. done all three, so she knows. Mm, yeah. I'll have to all four. She's done catnip also. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is actually really hilarious. The first time I didn't I didn't get it. Like I didn't understand. The why cats said the, like the effect yeah. that they had kind of how serious and, it was. Yeah, oh my god, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, so funny to watch. Like I need to video one day because it's just like they and it's a, it's just it's just a it's a uh, herb I think right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's just a dried version of a of a plant. I mean, you can buy the plant and like they can chew on it and stuff. You know, yeah. it's crazy. Uh, uh, okay, so question three. Oddly, while big cats in the wild communicate through nonverbal cues. House cats have mimicked noises similar to human babies when they need something. About how many different sounds can a cat make? A is 40, B is 80, and C is 100. Hmm. Okay. All was... right. So question one, how many uh, cats have 230 bones? How many more than humans do they have? 24. I say 24 too. Yes. Humans uh, start when they're, when humans are born, they have 270. Uh, and then they fuse together, and as an adult, you have 206. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. That is interesting. Yeah, it's pretty wild. My skull still needs to fuse together. I miss <laughs> all those old bones. <laughs> I have a flat spot on my skull because uh, when I, I was a baby, I was preemie, and so they they when I slept, I was slept on my head, and it squished my head in. Yeah, they would have to like roll me on my stomach, and now it's ironic because now I can't sleep on my back. <laughs> I have to sleep on my stomach. They screwed it all up. Yeah, you're a stomach sleeper. Do you are you a side sleeper too, or just stomach? If I'm really tired, I can sleep on my side. I, I mean, if I'm like completely 100 percent drained and exhausted, maybe I can sleep on my back. Like if I'm just in a chair, mm -hmm. oh, I gotta go sleep. But for the most part, like I have to lay on my stomach hmm. for hmm. I mean, pretty much almost all the time. Right. Hmm. Interesting fact. I, yeah, yeah, I have apnea as well, so uh, being on my stomach is better yeah. for me, yeah. regardless. Um, okay, question two. Catnip produces an effect similar to that of which drug? I say heroin. Crack. Oh, both wrong. It's LSD. Get out of here. Uh, They're having they little titty hallucinations. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, somewhere between LSD and like really, really strong uh, weed. Is, wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. You know, it makes sense when they do all kinds of weird i mean every time so what i do is i take the cat up and i just squeeze it and like to get some of the oil and then i put it on the floor and my one cat runs over and he starts eating it and then just like flopping <laughs> like crazy i mean like almost like rolling rolling along. in it yeah it's so, the easiest thing to see a cat react that way um okay question three oddly while big cats and wild communicate through nonverbal cues house cats have mimicked those similar to babies about how many sounds can a cat make Eight. 40 it's actually a hundred Oh, hundred oh. different sounds like, oh. and I mean, the, like octave sounds, like you know, oh. I mean, like, hundred different sounds. That's wild. Hundo. I, I always thought that was crazy, though. Patrick, many did you get right, Mike? One. 
Me too. One. Which one did you get right? I got first the first one. one. Me too. Yeah. We tied. We next, tied. Next week we'll do the tiebreaker. How's that? Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> there you go. All right. We got to wrap things up here. Thank you for joining us on Mic Up in Your Business. I'm looking at the wrong camera. It's this one. <laughs> There's another one right next to it right there, but we're right there. Yeah. So thank you for joining us for Mike Up, Up in Your Business. I would really appreciate if you have any questions, email askmike at mikemichalowitz.com and we can answer it live on the show. And uh, again, please do rate us by going to rateourpodcast.com. That's it for today. Wishing you uh, good. Wishing you good times, people. Do you have a passion or dream to start a business but don't know how? Training solutions can teach you the foundations you need to make the dream work. Whether you are starting maintaining or growing a business, Training Solutions provides you with the tools every organization needs. No matter what stage your business is in, everyone can use advice from an expert who knows business and can help guide you through the landmines. Training Solutions will help you hone the skills you have, identify the skills you need to grow, put ideas into perspective, and most importantly, help you uncover personal barriers that may be restricting growth. For just $100, Training Solutions offers a one-and-a-half-hour consultation that will give you a plan of action you can use immediately. Visit trainingsolutions-hlc.com for more information. Are you ready to get clear on what your brand is, stand out from the crowd, attract your dream clients, and increase sales? Martha Christina Garza is a luxury brand strategist and marketing expert based in Brooklyn, New York. Martha helps visionary six- and seven-figure entrepreneurs find clarity, focus, and direction to expand their brand, revenue, and impact. If you are looking to build a strong brand foundation to scale faster, brand strategy is the way to get there. Martha will help you connect and convert the right clients to take your business to the next level. Visit www.marthagarza.com. That's www. M-A-R-T-H-A-G-A-R-Z-A dot com. Use the code Mike to get 50% off your first session.